Good morning, Bridge. Good to see you guys. Happy Mother's Day. Come on, give it up for the moms that are with us. Thank you, Mom. Thank you so much for all you do for us and things we don't even know about and all those things. We just appreciate you so much. We're kicking off a new series today. We're calling The Shepherd, Life Parables from the 23rd Psalm. And what we're going to be talking about over the next six weeks or so is, is the 23rd Psalm. Now, that may seem like a lot of time to give to a poem that everybody could probably quote off the top of their head if they tried. Uh, but what you may or may not know is that the 23rd Psalm is actually a series of parables uh, for life. It actually addresses six of the main aspects of life and the role of a shepherd in each one of those seasons, aspects, parts of our lives. In the process, it also gives a clear picture of who God is. Kind of like the little girl in, uh, in kids' church where the teacher said, what are you drawing, Shug? And she said, well, I'm drawing a portrait of God. And the teacher said, well, nobody really knows what God looks like. And she said, well, they will in a minute. <laughs> My hope is by the time we finish this series, not only will you understand the 23rd Psalm a little more depth than you have in the past, uh, but you'll understand the role of a shepherd. More importantly, you'll know whether or not he is your shepherd and in the process get a clear image of who God really is. So can we kick it off by just reading the entire Psalm together? I've given it to you in the New King James Version because that's probably the, the version that many of us grew up uh, reading and have been hearing it most of our lives and wanted to resonate in your heart. We'll look at different translations during the course of the series, but here we go. It's on the screens, one, two, three, go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Read it out loud, I want you to hear it. Uh, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, you may or may not be aware of this, but what I just gave you was the 23rd Psalm broken down into six parts. And we're going to take each one of those parts over the next few weeks and get a handle on again, uh, the, the role of the shepherd in our lives and hopefully a clear image of who God is. Today, of course, we're starting at the very beginning with the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And right off the bat, David points out uh, what may well be the most common reason we need a shepherd, and that is the word worry. Anybody know that word? Do I have to give you a definition of that word? Anybody, anybody ever worry about anything? Come on, by hands. Anybody ever worry about anything? God bless that hand. I see that hand. God bless that hand. Uh, the rest of you are liars in church. Because, I mean, if moms are famous worriers. I, somebody told me one time that from the moment a woman finds out that she's pregnant, she never hears an ambulance in the distance the same again. Is that true, Mom? That's just that's what moms do is where's my kid? Are they close? Where are they? What's going on? But let's be honest. We all have our pet worries. I heard one little groan over here. I didn't hear any amens. We all have our pet worries. I mean, we worry about finances. We worry about our job. We worry about our marriage. We worry about our kids. We worry about our health. Did I miss any? We worry about politics. We worry about the economy. We worry about race relations. We worry about beating the Baptist to the buffet today. <laughs> we worry about all kinds of stuff. 
And so let me just point out on this Mother's Day four problems uh, with worry. And then I really want to talk about what is this idea of having a shepherd and how do you make sure you have one. There are four problems that I've identified. I've seen others identify them as well. And, and that is simply worry is unhelpful. It's unhelpful. It's unhelpful. It never solves anything. It's like stewing without doing. It's about rocking a rocking chair really hard and fast. You're, you're making a lot of noise. You're burning a lot of energy, but you aren't getting anywhere. It's like this past winter when we'd had a lot of rain, I got stuck in my backyard and I had to call a friend to pull me out of my own backyard because the wheels are spinning, the gas needle's going down, but I ain't going nowhere. That's what worry ultimately is. Hear me. Worry has never solved a single problem. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. You can't change the past even though we worry about it. You can't change the future, uh, control the future even though we worry about that. It only ultimately makes us miserable today. The second problem with worry, I'm going to do these quickly because I want to get into the shepherd piece. Is, uh, is it's unreasonable. It, worry tends to make mountains out of molehills. It tends to expand them till they fill uh, our entire view and all of life starts getting affected by that one thing that we're worried. Have you ever noticed that? You ever, you ever seen that? You rehearse it until it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it's what happens. In fact, I read not too long ago that the Bureau, U.S. Bureau of Standards uh, did the calculations on it, did an experiment on how they arrived at it, but they said a dense fog seven city blocks wide and 100 feet deep when condensed to water would fit in one 16-ounce cup. Worry just spreads it out until it obscures your vision. It creates fear just like a fog. Worry's unhelpful, it's unreasonable, and besides to worry about something you can change is dumb, just change it. And stuff you can't change, it's useless. The third problem with worry is it's unhealthy. Uh, God didn't make us to worry. Your body wasn't made to worry. When you do, you get headaches, you get backaches, you get, you get insomnia, you get heart problems, you get all kinds of problems. In fact, worry comes from the old English word that means to strangle or choke. And that's exactly what worry does. Is it, it strangles, chokes the life right out of you. The bottom line is that worry for a follower of Jesus Christ is unnecessary. Psalm 23 verse 1. I like the way the North Carolina version translates it. I think that's new century, but I prefer to say North Carolina. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. That says to me that if the shepherd's taking care of the flock and I'm part of the flock, what do I have to worry about? I got a couple of amens over here. I mean, if the, let, me, let me say it again. If the shepherd, shepherd takes care of the flock and I'm part of the flock, then it's his problem, not mine. Whatever the problem is, it's his problem, not mine. The problem is most of us are not sheep herders. Any sheep herders here? So we really don't know what shepherds do other than what we've seen read in a book or seen in a movie somewhere. And so let me tell you what shepherds do right quick, Okay. But we'll repeat this probably throughout the series and talk about how it applies to the different aspects and, and facets of our lives. But let's just make sure we understand a shepherd's job. First of all, a shepherd guides. When, when the sheep 
need to go from one pasture land to another. It's the shepherd's job to guide them to that fresh pasture land. And so the, the shepherd knows where to go for food, where to go for shelter, where to go for protection when the enemies are there. Uh, he, he didn't say, I didn't say he points, go there. It says he guides, he leads the way, come on, go this way. That's the shepherd's job, shepherd's guide. Say it with me, shepherd's guide. The second thing shepherds do is they provide. Uh, he makes available everything that, that the flock needs, food and, and shelter and clothes and, and love. I mean, Jesus said, the, the birds have a place to nest. I mean, God knows you. He loves you. He's counting, he knows the hairs on your, on your head. He loves you. He provides for you. What are you worried about? Number three, shepherds correct. Sometimes a sheep or a lamb will stray away from the flock and part of the shepherd's job is to correct them, to get them back into the fold. We'll talk about that in more detail in the series itself. But if you get on the wrong path, you start getting caught up in something that's ultimately gonna be dysfunctional, destruction uh, and lead to death, then he will lovingly confront, he will bring you back into the path. He has an amazing way of putting a wrinkle in the carpet and tripping me when I get a little too uh, full of myself. He corrects. And the shepherd protects, he defends against harm. When the wolves would come against the sheep, it's the shepherd's job. Again, we'll talk in more detail in the series, but his job to protect the lambs from any predators that might come. So what's the shepherd's job? Can we rehearse those together? What's the job? It is to guide, provide, correct, and protect. One more time, it is to guide, provide, correct, and protect. When you get that, when you understand the job of the shepherd is to guide, provide, correct, and protect, and you're able to say the Lord is my shepherd, therefore he will guide me, he will uh, provide for me, he will correct me when I need it, he will protect me, what else could you possibly need? What are you worried about? Isaiah 40 verse 11 says, God takes care of his people like a shepherd. In other words, God will guide, provide, correct, and protect you. All you have to do is be one of his people. Holy Spirit inspired the apostle Paul to say it in even more specific terms in Philippians chapter four, verse 19, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's break that one down for a second. And there's, you see three key words in there. What are the three key words? It's will, it's all, it's needs. You see that? Can we take those in reverse order? Let's start with needs. God will meet all your what? Your greeds? No. Is there a difference between needs and wants? We talked a little bit about this last week. I need air. I want Bojangles. It's not the same thing. <laughs> but, but, but he will give us all our needs. Well, how many of your parents, not just moms, but moms and dads, how many parents, if you gave your children everything they ever asked for, what would happen to them? They'd be spoiled brats. They'd be neurotic. You're not going to give them everything they want, but you're, if a loving parent isn't going to do your best to give them everything they need, that's what loving parents do and good parents are always willing for their kids to be mad at them if that's what's in their best interest. God will then meet what? Some of your needs? A few of your needs? What? What, what does the word all include when you see it in scripture? All. Does that mean all your spiritual needs? All your financial needs? All, all your relational needs? All, all your uh, physical needs? Emotional needs? Stop even when I get to one that isn't included in all. He will meet all your needs. Now, here's the third one I want you to get. God will meet all your needs. You know what that says to me? 
It not only says that I can be confident that it will, that he will, it says to me that God's reputation is on the line because he's the one that said I will. And because he said I will, I will. If I tell you I'm going to do something and I don't do it, what happened to my reputation? You now don't know whether to trust me next time. So if I tell you I'm going to do it, I'm going to die trying to do it because I told you I would, right? But God said, I will. And that's an awesome promise. But I want to shift gears now and I want to talk a little bit about uh, some, some ways to be sure that, uh, that he's meeting all of your needs and how to make sure that he meets all your needs. That's really what I want to lean into this morning. Throughout the series, we're going to talk about specific needs. We're going to talk about your need for rest next week. We're going to talk about your need for, uh, for uh, guilt, or dealing with guilt, dealing with, with grief, with, with anger, with discouragement. We're going to talk about dealing with past hurts. We're going to talk about eternity. We're going to talk about all those different facets and aspects of life during the course of the series. But today, I want to make sure that we got the concept down as we set up the series and as we get started in this thing. And I got a couple of illustrations I want to use that maybe help you understand what, what we're saying when I say that he will meet all of your all of your needs. One of them is insurance. How many of you have some kind of insurance? Just any kind. Life insurance, car insurance, house, homeowners insurance. Got some, right, insurance agents look around the room. You see no hands are up. I expect your tithe to go up when you get a deal from those people, okay? This is what I'm just counting on that to happen. So, so how does insurance work? The end of the day is shared risk. They're, they're sharing the risk with you so that if something happens, they're going to cover the expense or part of the expense according to the contract, they're going to cover that. So if you get in, a, in an accident, you go read your policy, you find out if you're covered, and when you're covered, you count knees and toes and make sure everything's intact, and then you go, I'm covered, right? Our son Adam uh, was run over by a car when he was 15, hospitalized for several months. The hospital bill went into hundreds of thousands of dollars, as you can imagine, um, but one of the first things I did was to make sure he was okay initially. And then I went read the insurance policies and I called the insurance companies. And once I knew we were covered, I never thought about the bill again. Why? Because it was covered. We could focus on Adam and his recovery from that point forward. So the Bible is like your insurance policy. If you've read it, you know what's covered you know, there are thousands, some say six, some say 7,000 promises in the Bible. That's your coverage. You don't have to worry about those things anymore. Okay, got it? Everybody got it? I got a couple of got it's over here. It's, I'm going to explain it till you got it. Say, everybody got it? Okay. All right. The next illustration, uh, Pastor Andy's going to help me with, and, and that's an umbrella. Pastor Andy, everybody welcome Pastor Andy Stovall in the house. So let's imagine that Pastor Andy is my shepherd. He's carrying the, crook, the, the, the shepherd's crook or whatever you call that thing. That's the staff, right? And, uh, and this umbrella represents, what's the shepherd's job? Guide, provide, correct, and protect. So all that guidance and protection and provision, correction, it's all represented by this umbrella. And of course, the staff is, is where we go together on this journey. So we're going through the journey of life, and I'm covered. Everything's going good. And then I see a storm coming in the distance, and storms are dark and scary and lightning and thunder and all that stuff. And so what do I tend to do when I see a storm coming? I start to, what's our word? I start to worry. 
uh, fear starts to kick in and I start saying, I, I, don't, I don't really want to go there. I, I, I got to go away from that storm. The problem is I just walked out from under my coverage because instead of letting him guide me, I've decided to guide myself. And in the process, he stopped being my shepherd. Let that register for just a minute. Can we thank Pastor Andy? We'll go bring him back in just a minute. Now, you know what happens when you get into those situations. You're over here, the shepherd's over there. What happens is you, you, you tend to get, you get caught in the storm. You get mad at the shepherd and say, but God, you said you'd protect me. Well, why, aren't you, why did you even let this storm come? And God says, well, I was actually going to walk you through it and teach you something in the process, grow you up in the process, mature you in the process. I was going to help you learn something in the process about yourself and about me. I, was, I knew it was there. I mean, this is earth, not heaven. That's reality. But I was going to go with you through it, but you're the one that bolted. Uh, but Jim, I, I can't hear you, but I just don't know if I trust that God will meet all my needs. Well, that's your choice. God's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. He doesn't require that you do that, that you, that you submit to his leadership. But I need you to understand that God is not automatically your shepherd. Do I need to say that again? God is not automatically your shepherd. He wants to be. He's made it possible to be through what his son Jesus Christ did on Calvary so long ago. But at the end of the day, God only guides, provides, corrects, and protects those who walk under his coverage. God protects his people as a shepherd. Oh man, I never thought about it that way. I guess I better make sure that I know uh, whether he's my shepherd or not. I thought you'd never ask took me a long time to get to this point. You finally asked, let me make sure you know. The ABCs of letting Jesus be your shepherd, the ABCs of establishing that God is in fact your shepherd becomes a critical piece of information as we walk through Psalm 23. We will talk about these again during the course of the series, but I want you to get this foundation today. And if you know someone can't be here today, can't watch us online today, but they're gonna be in the series, make sure they get this first message. This is foundational truth. I call it the ABCs of letting God be your shepherd. The A stands for accept Jesus Christ as Lord. What does Psalm 23, 1 say? How did it start? The Lord is my shepherd. The Pastor Jim paraphrase of that is really, really important. And that is the Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. For far too many people, they want the Lord to be their shepherd. They, they want him to guide them. They want him to provide for them. They want him to correct them. They want him to, to protect them. But if guidance means change direction in life, oh, I don't know about that. If provision means put him first in your finances and tithe, oh, well, I just don't know if I can trust him with that. If correction means changing your lifestyle or breaking free from dysfunctional, dysfunctional relationships, oh, no, no, but these people are important to me. If protection requires that you become a part of the body of Christ, not just on the fringe, but engaged in relationship, well, now 
But now it comes down to where the rubber meets the road and we're not so sure anymore that we want the Lord to be our shepherd. We want him to be our shepherd. We're just not really sure we want the shepherd to be our Lord. So you know what Lord means, right? I and mean, it's not a word we use very often nowadays, but you know what it means, right? It just means CEO. It means the, the guy in charge. It, it means, you know, uh, the, the big kahuna, whatever term you want to use. It's the one who calls the shots. Jesus even told us how to know if he's your Lord. John 10, 14 and 27, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Then, then here's the description, ready? One, two, three, read it with me. My sheep know me. They listen to my voice and they follow me. That's what it means to make Jesus not just your Savior, except what he did for you on Calvary, but make Jesus your Lord, which is required for him to be your shepherd, where he guides, provides, corrects, and protects. It is that you, what does it say? That you know him, that you listen for his voice, and that you follow him. And when you do, he is your shepherd and he will always, you can always, always, always count on him to do his job, which is to, you're going to say this till you're sick of it, guide, provide, correct, and protect. Here's the heart of what I'm trying to say to you this morning as we kick off this series. All that worry that you've been doing comes down to um, who do I really trust? It, it comes down to trust. The root of worry is the fear that you're not in control. That's the root of, of worry. It's an attempt to control the uncontrollable. Whether it's that your kids are, are, are doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're not around you or, or you're worried about the, the America and the direction it's going in or worried about the economy, what's going to happen next. Anytime you start to control something over which you have no control, you're going to worry because that's ultimately what worry is. So when you catch yourself beginning to worry, then it ought to be a warning signal. It ought to be a, oh, I'm trying to control something that I shouldn't be controlling. Pastor Andy, would you come back? Uh, let's illustrate that for them. I want to make sure they get it. So uh, who, who is this right here? This is my shepherd, right? The, the staff represents his lordship and I've attached myself to him. And because of that, I get the coverage of guidance and provision and correction and protection. And we go on a journey together through life. And he says, here's the, no, 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 I, 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 want, I want to go this way. No, but, but, but I th this really looks like a good path. Well, no, I, I want to be in relationship with these people over here. No, I, I want to handle my finances like this. I want to, but, 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 but Lord, come on. You ever been in a wrestling match with God over what he wants you to do? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Thank you, Pastor. Can we give it up for Pastor Andy this morning, helping us out? What a super guy. When we find ourselves wanting to go one way and God's pulling us, guiding us in another way, then you're pulling out of the coverage of the shepherd. What am I saying? You ain't God. I ain't God. He's God. We need to submit to him. So you find yourself going, well, I will make this marriage work. I will make these kids do what they should do. I will, I, will, I will make this sale. I will close this deal if it kills me. Inside the little voices saying to you, who are you kidding? You're not God. 
You can't make people do what they don't want to do. I got to move on, but let me be blunt because that's just the A. We got the ABCs to deal with this morning. Uh, let me just be as direct as I know how. If you're trying to run your life without God to guide, provide, correct, and protect, you ought to be worried. You ought to be worried because he's the only one that can see the beginning from the end. And he's the only one that knows. And he's the only one at the end of the day that has control over it all. Even when it looks like chaos, our God is still in control. Ephesians 1 makes it clear where in the world is the world going to. It's coming to that day that all things will come under the headship of Jesus Christ. That's where the world is going. You may not like it. You may not want it to happen yet, but that's where the world is is going okay I I, 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 I I think I follow the Lord I think I listen to his voice I know him I think I listen to his voice I think I'll follow me but I've still got all these crazy kind of worries what in the world well there's there's ABC not just a B is be honest about your sin and I know sins one of them words we don't like to use we just call them mistakes or we say, yeah, everybody does it it's no big deal we'd rather talk about the love and grace and mercy of God than about this thing called sin. But if the shepherding we need is only available when the shepherd has control of our lives, then it probably ought to be an important topic for us to address. So the question we have to settle is, what exactly is sin? What, what does that word even mean? My best guess, if I were to ask you in private conversation, what, what is sin? Your, your first thought would be some pet sin either one that you struggle with or that other people in your life struggle with and your, mean, your, your mind would immediately go to some nasty sin that you don't do because you don't mind talking about those. But, but hear me, guys, what most of us think of as sin is not sin, it sins. There's a big difference in Scripture between sin and sins. What's the difference, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Sin is an attitude that says, I'm in charge. Sin is an attitude that says, I can handle this, Lord. I'll call you if I need you. Sin is an attitude that says, I'm going to treat God like a waiter in a restaurant. I want you to leave me alone until I need my water glass filled. And then I'm going to say, where are you? Why is my water glass empty? Come on. What are you doing? Get over here. And I'm going to give you a smaller tip because you didn't fill it up fast enough. That's sin. Sins are the actions and, and choices that reveal that we have that attitude. You see the difference? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. We fight with weapons that are different from those the world uses. Our weapons have power from God that can destroy the enemy's strong places or strongholds, as some uh, translations describe it. We destroy arguments. And every proud thing that raises itself up against the knowledge of God, we capture every thought to make it obey Christ. You see the list? Any pet sins in that list? What's the list? The list is arguments and pride and, and, uh, and, and against the truth and, and thoughts. I mean, frankly, anything that doesn't obey Christ, according to Scripture, is a sin. So if, here we are. If Jesus, you want Jesus to be your shepherd, to be your coverage, to guide, provide, correct, and protect you, you've got to be honest with yourself about any of those areas that you haven't given Jesus Christ control of yet. If you want him to be your shepherd, you gotta, he's got to be your Lord, which means, okay, you're in charge, not me. 
this may not be going the way I would have gone, but I trust you. And I believe that you have my best interest at heart, and I'm going to put my trust in you. The Bible calls those Harry's that we hold on to, well, I'll do all of that, but this one thing I'm going to hold on to, the Bible calls them strongholds or strong places. They're fortified places that we hold out from God. Now hear me, we'll talk about it in a lot more detail in the series, but the bottom line is you will never completely break the back of worry until you break those strongholds in your life. We'll address several of them specifically through the series, but I need you to understand that every time you recognize through prayer or, or through a sermon or through reading the Bible or, or sitting in a small group and getting into a discussion or, or whatever it is, every time you recognize there's an attitude there's a thought, there's an idea that doesn't line up with the word of God. You now have to deal with that issue and submit it to Christ. Use his power to destroy that enemy because that's the enemy that's working in your life. And when you do, you get set free and you get the role of the shepherd operating in your life. Okay, pastor, but how do I do that? First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That word cast is an interesting word uh, because it carries a couple of different ideas. In the Greek, eripito literally means to drop. I mean, it's kind of the picture of carrying something really heavy, weighing you down, and you just say, I can't carry this anymore, and you go, kaboom, you drop it. It's done. That's what, that's what cast means in this passage. But we tend to see it uh, like fishermen, right? You cast and then you relay back in. <laughs> and you cast and you relay back in. And you cast and you relay back in. And so that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about let it go, submit it to Christ, give it to him. You want to break the worry habit? Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Be honest with yourself about sin, attitudes, and actions. And C is commit to community. Commit to community. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through 38. When Jesus saw the crowds, he felt sorry for them because they were hurting and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus said to his followers, there are many people to harvest, but only a few workers to help harvest them. Pray to the Lord who owns the harvest that he will send more workers to gather his harvest. Here's what I want you to hear. At the end of the day, it is about the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. At the end of the day, it's about breaking free from anything that you're holding back from submitting to his control. But, it, but also, very much in the mix of all of that is Jesus Christ is the shepherd, but he establishes under shepherds here and now to help us on this journey. In fact, he prayed, Lord, raise up a lot more under shepherds, raise up a lot more spiritual mamas and daddies, Lord, raise up a lot more people that are willing to be shepherds under me as the chief shepherd to help people on their journey. We're going to talk again a lot more during this series about the role of shepherds in our lives and the role of this journey that we're on. But hear me, please, I beg you as your pastor, and as one of the people that's been assigned as an under-shepherd for you, 
Not only can Jesus not be with you every moment, answering your questions every moment he can in a real sense, spiritual sense, but sometimes you need a real flesh and blood person sitting across the table from you, sitting in the next chair with you where you can say, man, I'm struggling and say, yeah, I've been there, done that. We've been through this together. Jesus can't do that for each of us. What did he do? He assigned under shepherds. I can't do that for all of you. Pastor Andy can't do that for all of you. At the level that we need it, we need under shepherds. We need small flocks with, what did Jesus model for us? When he was on earth, what did he model? He had three that were closest to him. He had 12 that he poured his life into. I believe with everything in me that the Jesus model for changing the world is recruit 12, shepherd them, graduate 11, and change the world. Can I tell you, I don't know how much time I've got as your pastor. It's one of the honors of my life to serve in this role, but I look in the mirror and I know I've gone back to Arctic blonde, so I don't know how much time I've got left before the next generation and God's raising those people up. I know he is, but, but here's what I want for you so bad I can taste it. I want a hundred under shepherds in this congregation. A hundred under shepherds, that's my heart. People that say, I'll take on the responsibility of pouring into six or eight or 10 or 12 people. I'll pour into their lives. I'll be available to them. And yes, I'll have a shepherd that I can lean to and he'll have a shepherd that they can lean to but a network of shepherds that are shepherding one another that's my heart for this congregation we can become that group of people that sees the Jesus model so when you hear me talk about bridge groups it not, it's not just another program it's not just another option that we'd like for you to consider I believe it's the life breath of how Jesus designed the church my prayer is that if you're not in a bridge group you'll get in one we are in promotional month. Groups start in June for the summer. You can't do it in the summer because lots of stuff going on. Okay, gear up for the fall. But on May 12th, we're going to be coming together uh, this coming Wednesday night. We're meeting in the Bridge Kids Auditorium, and I hope you'll come and you'll hear the full breadth of my vision for this church and the direction that we're going in as it relates to this committing to community and working together as the body of Christ. I'm going to share that with you, Pastor Andy. We'll share some of the stories with you. Uh, we won't keep you very long. We're going to do child care, birth through fifth grade. Be sure to register so we'll know to be prepared for your kids. But I hope you'll plan to be here on Wednesday night as we share this vision of where we're going. At the end of the day, we all need a shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd, but he established under shepherds. So it may be that you're, you're feeling the call, the tug to be one of those under shepherds, one of those spiritual parents, spiritual mamas and daddies. Maybe you just recognize the need of having an earthly shepherd who's following Christ so you will have that personal touch. Wherever you are in your journey, plan to be with us Wednesday night. We'll cast that in great detail together. Bottom line, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. When the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Can we pray that prayer together?
Let's close this service in that quiet moment. Thank you, Jesus, for being that ultimate eternal shepherd who guides, provides, corrects, protects. And thank you for creating a system whereby there would be under shepherds that you establish so that we can hug neck, shake hands, sit across the table, help each other on this journey. I pray here and now, Lord, that you would speak to me, to each of us, to understand our role in accepting you as Savior and Lord, being honest with ourselves about any sin in our hearts that's keeping you from being the shepherd you want to be, keeping us from the coverage that we need, and ultimately, anything that would cause us to resist committing to community. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said together,